0: slice audio
1: and now a free pour from whiskey at work with mark and rob hello everybody it's mark houston rob henry it's the whiskey at work podcast and we are bringing in uh a guy that we've gotten to know here over the past what's it been two years maybe
0: right out two two and a half
1: somewhere yeah. around that's not too bad and we still are all on speaking terms, so that's fun. That's right. I think in that amount of
0: time, he would have actually brought more booze than what he has He has so far.
1: brought plenty of <laughs> booze to us. All right. It's more than we deserve, Rob. Well, that is true. <laughs> so, uh, But it's Dan Bruner of, of Timmins Market here in Rapid City. Just opened up a second location, too, which has to be exciting, really.
2: Yeah, we're two weeks away from our one-year anniversary.
1: At Box Elder already? Yeah, it's
2: crazy. Oh my goodness, that went fast. Very fast. It's a nice store.
1: I haven't been out to that one yet. I was just uh, in the bourbon department here a couple of days ago at at Timmins and uh, didn't find near enough howler head in there for me so uh, i just turned (laughs) it next to the
2: screwball that's down on the bottom (laughs) shelf there
1: ouch next to the jim beam and the canadian stuff (laughs) that's that's painful to hear uh anyway dan where are you from here originally
2: no originally born and uh raised in western nebraska in sydney
1: oh okay i mean you're it's
0: it's in the, the neighborhood
1: right nebraska south dakota that's right we're all family aren't we do we claim to be
0: well, I don't know. You're from North Dakota. I know.
1: I'm the, from the better um, of the Dakotas. You're,
0: you're cool adjacent, I guess. <laughs> <Obviously, yeah. laughs> you, know, so, you should at least tell people that this is the first of many just audio podcasts
1: that we're doing. Right. So yeah. We're going to try bear to with us a little. We're going to try to put out a, a couple of these a month to kind of coincide with the weekly ones that we do that are part of our video series as well
0: people are tired of listening to you and me oh probably
1: (laughs) we need to to have some more people come in so i mean dan was the obvious first guest to have on this since you have kind of um joined us a bit on this journey when we first started as well yep which has been a blast so uh from nebraska to how long have you been up here in south dakota then
2: oh geez i was uh in, in Spearfish from 2003 to 2006. Did
1: you go to school there?
2: Uh, no, I was oh. at, I went to school at Shattern State. Okay. Um, was with Walmart at the time. Uh, graduated, went into the assistant manager program and was an assistant manager in Spearfish for three years. Oh, wow. And then started moving around. I spent some time in Wyoming, uh, managed my first store out in Iowa um, for a couple of years and then had an opportunity to come back to Spearfish and... Uh, my wife and I had always said if we ever had a chance to get back up to the hills, we were going to jump on that opportunity. And uh, back in, gosh, 2011-ish,
1: oh wow, um, okay, got
2: a chance to come back. And uh, so we moved back. I was with Walmart for a few more years, 16 years in total, uh, and then had an opportunity to leave there, join a locally owned company. Um, and I was there four years before we uh, then sold that company, and I ended up buying Timmins Market with with ryan and yeah the rest is
1: the last three years of history <laughs> so what i mean as you know g- growing up most people don't consider themselves to be grocery store uh you know uh, tycoons maybe that's not a good word tycoons probably doesn't fit here <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> tread easy here. my yeah. wife's parents were is she a tycoon were,
0: were grocery store oh. folks too so
1: well no 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 i think i think uh-huh. i mean obviously it's it's a great business to be in, but most people don't grow up thinking that's what I'm going to do. So, sure,
2: unless it's like a, a family-owned right. brand that you know is a, a storied legacy. It's it's probably not something that is exactly top on the little boy's dream list. Right.
1: Yeah. So what led you into it then?
2: Uh, you know, I I needed a job in college. There sure. wasn't much in Shattered at that point in time, and so Walmart had just opened, and I started there. Um, I'd actually gone to school with the um, dream of becoming a highway patrol officer, eventually oh, getting wow. into like U.S. Marshals or FBI, something like that. Um, you, well, could, you couldn't
1: drink near as much if you were going to do that. that. That's a good
2: part <laughs> of it. Um, just my, I came from a family of law enforcement. My uncle kind of got involved in some um, situations where I realized that Having a family and being in law enforcement probably wasn't going to be the best. And so I decided I needed to change gears, uh, change my major to psychology, spent a couple of years in psychology, realized oh, I'm <laughs> way too compassionate to be <laughs> psychology and have to listen to people's problems all day. And so was at Walmart at the time. It actually quit school. My district manager cornered me and said, figure out a way to finish school and I'll promote you into the management program. Oh, wow. um, so I went back, was 21 credit hours short of graduating Got that knocked out in the next year and a half. Went on to become a store manager, managed two different stores for okay. Walmart, and um, just kind of got the retail bug at that point in time, and and really enjoy the the people aspect of it, but also the merchandising and just all of the different elements. It's
1: well, it's you must you must have kind of an organizational background for that too. I mean, you must be somebody that's organized because that I can't imagine that's got to be hard. Well I imagine mean, yeah. Walmart must
0: have given you a pretty good training, to sure be able to go in and do your own thing after that. I mean, they're obviously the biggest grocery mm-hmm. store around there. right
2: yeah, yeah, for sure i I wouldn't be where I'm at today without the time there um i I grew to a point where I realized that the corporate environment wasn't for me. Um I'd always said if I could stand up in front of my team and lead them in a way where I fully believed in the mission um that I would continue, and it kind of got to a point where. My values and my beliefs and and how I wanted to treat people didn't necessarily align with where the culture of Walmart was going at that time, Um, and I just knew it was time for me to move on.
1: Well, and you took over, I mean, the, the grocery store that is out in Rapid Valley that you guys took over is, was for years, I believe, known as Don's Valley Mart, correct? correct. Yep. So it, it kind of had a, a a name recognition. It had it had clientele that had been going there for years. Yep. So well, how did that opportunity come about for you guys to get that?
2: So the company that I was part of previously, we had 31 convenience stores, and we had purchased that grocery store along with two other convenience stores here in town um, back in 2014, uh, but we really leveraged that grocery store as more of a distribution hub for our convenience stores. We ran convenience stores. We didn't run a grocery store. Um, and so we had developed a lot of deli programs and things like that out of the grocery store. We'd opened up and converted several of the convenience stores to um, kind of corner grocery stores mm-hmm. in some underserved communities. And so we had it was a warehouse that had customer shopping in it is kind of what we had evolved it into. Oh. Um, it was still a grocery store, still open to the public. Uh, but we definitely didn't put a ton of focus on it. Um, and then when we sold the, the convenience store side of the the chain, um, that store was not included in the sale. Um, Ryan and I weren't interested in being unemployed. And so <laughs> <What>? we, <laughs> he approached me and said, Hey, you want to go in on this together? And so we did. And we, we, Went to work on putting a plan together on how to relaunch it and, and rebrand
0: it. And so Timmins Market was born out of that. That kind, that kind of all depends on what you sold it for. I mean, unemployed or retired, those are vastly different <laughs> things. Right? It was definitely going to be more on the unemployed side. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so uh, you 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 ended up with the grocery stores. And did you guys have the the liquor department in it right away? Was that a part of it?
2: Yeah, there was uh, an established liquor uh, department there. Um I'd say just kind of your average run of the mill. We, we didn't certainly specialize in anything. Um, We were pretty good at a lot of categories, but nothing that we truly, truly specialized in. And, um, you know, candidly, I was more of a craft beer guy and, and we worked on that. Um, Ryan was more on the, the bourbon and the, the whiskey and the spirit Mm -hmm. side of things Um, had um, built up a, a decent collection of some higher end bottles and, and really enjoyed bourbon. And I just, at that point in time, I hadn't really ever got into it. Um, I remember. So one, he's a
0: bad influence. is what you're
2: saying. Or good. I guess I could go either way. <laughs> that's no good. Yeah. Uh, I remember the first time I sat down with him and tried to drink bourbon need. I was like, I don't know how you do this. <laughs> well, that's, Still, still that,
1: don't know how you do it. But. That's the, what we thought when right. we
0: first brought that first barrel pick in, you guys are sitting down there with nothing and you make giving me a hard time with how much ice I put in yeah. mine. And, I remember Ryan going, "Oh, (laughs) you really mean ice?" (laughs) Like, "Yeah, man, I, I don't want to die here." So,
1: so you sat down with him and started to drink it. And do you remember um, either at what point you really started to like the drink, or what the first drink was, the first uh, brand was that you really enjoyed?
2: This is going to seem completely.
1: I can't wait for this.
2: But it was literally a bottle of blantons in a hotel in Hot Springs. Wow. We sat down and You must I... have brought
0: the bottle to Hot Springs.
2: <laughs> so so it was the first time we had sat down, it was before we even had Timmins Market and uh, we were out doing work in the c stores and we had we were out in Wyoming in Newcastle and there was a bottle of blantons just sitting on the shelf. It's a Wyoming, it's a state controlled state. They get stuff differently and oh, little convenience really? store gas station with the bottle of blantons just sitting on the shelf. And this would have been five, six years ago, maybe longer than that. So we pick it up and we're sitting in the hotel and we were both kind of like, eh, it's just okay. But like I struggled, I think I ended up with a bunch of ice in mind to be able to finish it. And, um, you know, we went on from there and as we were opening up the store, um, we started identifying and seeing kind of where the, the trend was nationally with spirits. And we could tell that whiskey was definitely on the uptick in, most states, as a lot of stuff in South Dakota, it's a little slower to come this far inbound, right? So you're saying we're slow? <laughs> we just wait till we do, We just let everybody else make the mistakes. He's and that We don't have to worry about it. Since, <laughs> Since <laughs> I'm the only South Dakotan here, yeah. yeah. I'm not saying Nebraska's much better, <laughs> um, but uh, we saw where the where the industry was going, and so um, kind of by chance. Um, the, the C-Store side of things, they had picked a barrel uh, prior to the sale. We didn't even know about it at the time because we had a liquor buyer specifically within the C-Store world. And uh, one day our distributor calls us and says, hey, so-and-so had ordered this barrel before the sale. It's still available for you guys if you want it. We had just bought the store. We were a little cash-strapped at the time. And we're like, well, how much of it do we have to take? And he's like, well, you can take whatever you want. I'll, I'll find somebody else that wants it. So we're like, okay, we will we'll take we took half the cases that were available for that barrel, shows up, and we end up selling it really well. Well, it was Weller Special Reserve. Oh, jeez. We didn't Did have you? any idea what we had in front of us <laughs> at the time. So we see it start to move, and we call him back up, and we're like, hey, can we get the rest of it? He's like, no, I already sold it to other people. You only wanted half of it sort of like, oh, okay. <laughs> See, this is
0: where we need the camera, where I've got the eye roll all the stuff that they just <laughs> accidentally stumbled into.
2: Right. Ryan and I have laughed at that scenario I don't know how many times because if we could go back and just say, yeah, we'll take the whole thing and three more if you can get them for us. Right.
1: Um, wow. And I
2: actually still have – we have a bottle of every barrel pick we've done that mm-hmm. we're saving for – when we retire, sell this company, whatever, at right. some point in time. Um, and so I, we, we still have a couple bottles of that Weller Special Reserve hanging around. And um, it was probably the first bottle that really made me start to fall in love with the spirit. Um, and so I enjoyed it at that point in time. And, and we decided, hey, the, this barrel sold pretty quick. And then we got an opportunity to go down and pick our first barrel by our for ourselves, for Timmins Market. And so we got a chance to go down and pick a, a barrel of Elijah Craig, just the standard 94 proof. And, and so we went down there, and uh, we flew down to Kentucky, and um, we did a couple of tours before we actually got to Heaven Hill to pick the Elijah Craig. And I'd say that the moment that I really, really, really started to kind of develop the fire for whiskey and bourbon is the moment we walked into the fermentation room at Four Roses. Walked in there and the smell— mm. And the, the the tour guide that was there with us, they have old wooden vats, open fermentation. So you're just – you're walking around and there's – I don't know there – I don't know how many gallons they hold, but there's <laughs> so many of them. Um, I'll show you guys some pictures when we're done here. And he says, just dip your finger in there and, and taste some of it in, as it's sitting there just bubbling.
0: Then that would – about put Houston over the edge, I think. And uh, <laughs> somebody's sticking their finger into something. That would, and would and be a little, thousand yeah. other so people have just stuck their finger in. So the it's... next time you
2: drink some Four Roses,
0: just remember that's part of the <laughs> yeah. tour. Dan's finger has been in it. <laughs> it's
2: <laughs> that, that stuff's probably long gone, but somebody's sure. finger's been in it. And so and you
0: don't know where that finger oh, oh
2: god! <laughs> so we uh, we we walk through there and we do that tour and we do the tasting and. I'm not kidding you. After that point, every time I tasted it, I tasted it differently. From seeing it from the very raw form when they're unloading the grain trailer to when it goes into the the cooker, into the fermentation tank, and then when they start running the distillate, just the science and all the work that goes into it. You know, when you when you walk into a liquor store and you see everything there, it's really easy to take it for granted the sure. processes that are behind it. Um, but being able to see that at Four Roses. And then we went and saw it at Buffalo Trace and um, had a tour with Freddie Johnson, who's one of the most notoriable tour guides in the industry. Oh, wow. Like, absolutely an amazing human being. I wanted him to adopt me as his grandson (laughs) by the time the tour was done. Just an incredible person. And he he shared the story um, behind how bourbon should be experienced. He's a third-generation African-American distillery worker at Buffalo Trace. His grand father, I believe, rolled out like the first millionth barrel. His father was responsible oh, wow. for the second, third, and fourth millionth. He rolled out the fifth and sixth millionth barrel from Buffalo Trace. I mean, these guys have been around forever. Um, and he talked about how his grandfather and father taught him that when they were young men, there were always barrels of bourbon sitting in these houses and how every generation there has been barrels of bourbon sitting there. And so he talked about how it's meant to be enjoyed with others and it's about building relationships and, and the community of it and, mm-hmm. and it really kind of made me think, oh, this is not just, you know, in college it was let's go get drunk, right? <laughs>
1: right. Well uh, and, and that's and that's what you did. And, and yeah. And as I, you know, and this, this'll sound about as pretentious as it can sound too from you. But I <laughs> but I don't think you can be nineteen, twenty, twenty one, twenty two, twenty three years old and Really get an appreciation for this at that age.
0: That's mm-hmm. that's a small number. That you know that's a quantity over quality type of age. I think, at that you know. time, yeah,
1: it absolutely
0: is. You're not drinking to enjoy it. You're drinking to escape the, <laughs> the daily grind of college or whatever. Sure, right, sure. You know, and to just cut loose after stressful days and weeks of finals and midterms, and <laughs> right. term papers, and it's like. All right, bring on the Jack and Coke. Let's or the or, black or, velvet or, or the the, yeah, the, yeah, the Windsor Coke. <laughs> yeah. So Oof.
1: when you went down, Dan, to pick up that to to pick that very first barrel that you guys did, um, you you probably still didn't have an understanding of what you were doing at that point, did you? Really?
0: No, very very baseline. I mean, okay. We hey, can you walk us through what they did at at uh, at Heaven Hill, or with with your first barrel pick? Was it similar to the stuff that we did the other day? Or a few months ago, is it, you know? Uh,
2: Yes and no. The the biggest difference is instead of taking it out of 200 ml sample bottles, like we literally got to use a wooden mallet and hammer the bung out of the cask and then thieve it straight out of the cask
0: into a Glencairn and sample it in a Rick house. Well, that that that, that that's just a little bit different. That, well, well, I mean, I understand. I understand. Yeah. I, underst- I understand that the, you weren't going to be able to. You know, you weren't doing it. They didn't ship you the yeah. samples. You were actually there. I didn't. That's that's kind of a cool experience. It where was... you're, you know, you're stealing it right out of the out of the barrel in the in yep. the rickhouse. That's yep. nuts. Yeah. In do its you, purest th-
1: form, cask strength. Do you think it changes your opinion of it when you do it like that compared to having it shipped up to you? Do Do you think it's that influences your opinion at all.
2: it's hard not to. Sure. Like it it's hard not to. As fun as all of the other picks. So we've done we have ten picks total. Some of them are still in transition, and only two have been a, an on-site pick. Um and and candidly even our, our last on-site pick, Ezra Brooks, which we're still that bottle's still in progress. We haven't received it yet. Um, but it was it was neat because we were able to tour the distillery before we did our tasting but at the end of the day we still went into a conference room where oh, they had sure. bottled the samples and we tried them out of a bottle right there
0: so you could you had a better chance to compare them side by side as opposed to going hey, I want to try that by- barrel or that barrel
2: yeah or- and, and even at Heaven Hill they had predetermined and in the in the Rick house they had the three barrels sitting there that we were able to pick from but the guy told us at the beginning, he said, if, if there's one of these, if, if you don't like any of them, we'll pull out another one. So, I don't. I don't think that they would continue oh, wow. that very long, right? And,
1: and I mean, they know
2: that they're bringing good yeah, product yeah.
1: out. They're not. They, right. they didn't have. They've Uber back that. then. So, yeah. fifteen barrels in. Right. God, yeah. no, we're you gonna know, have to sell that sixteenth.
0: So, 16th. so <laughs> did did you pick the right one, like I did? I mean, oh god, here uh, we yes. go. Oh, yes, man, um, that one to date, I think, is our
2: fastest <laughs> barrel to sell out. Oh, um, really? Yeah it it was gone before we knew it. Um and, and still one of, I'll, I'll say my favorites, but it's like picking a favorite child. It depends on the day, right? <laughs> yeah. like,
0: right. Um, well, Elijah Craig is a good bourbon. It's a solid, 100%. solid pick all the time. Yep. I, I love it. I've got bottles at home. It's delicious. Yeah.
1: So do you have a, could you nail down a single favorite, Dan? Uh, Something that you go to all the time. I mean, Rob obviously will go to Jack Daniels. Um, you know, as your go-to, well, because you I, like I, it, I'm it's on a, on a budget; I don't own a chain well. of grocery stores. <laughs> like. But I mean, what about you, Dan? Do you got? Do you have something like that? Um,
2: for our our picks, I would definitely pick our Old Forester. Okay, um, our Old Forester single barrel to me, um, it was a 90 proof, but it was so much above its weight class. Like 90 proof is usually. To me, that the the viscosity and the mouthfeel are, are lacking sometimes, mm-hmm. and this one just has a an oiliness to it that just never ceases to amaze me. Um, and it has just layers of flavor that um, definitely in most ninety proofs I don't get that many layers and and the complexity uh, oh, wow. that we get with the Old Forester, and um, so it's I, I could easily say it's my favorite overall. Okay. Um, but there are also days where something else right. becomes my favorite. Where yeah.
0: where where was that in your in the old Forester? Where was that in your lineup from one to? I mean, where was that in the? I
2: think it was order? pick number three because I think we did Elijah Craig and then we did our first Knob Creek
0: and then we did our old Forester. Because the Knob Creek is what we tried.
1: Yeah, the Knob right? Creek the was kind one. of the first time we we met you mm-hmm. and Ryan. Um, we did uh, we did an episode of Whiskey at Work in our old building with that one. Yep. And that came in. I think that was like one hundred and twenty proof or something yeah, like that. Was, oh uh, my goodness, that was hot. Strength, yep. Yeah. Oh, that was that was hard to drink. And then watching Ryan sip it back yeah. oh, like I it was what. seven up, I was like, How <laughs> is he doing that? <laughs> and, was, and not making the face. <laughs> it was a bit of a gut check for me.
0: I'm, wow, how's he getting home?
1: I mean, there was there was no doubt the the flavor was amazing, but I I just that's that's so hot yeah. for for me, I guess. You know, I'm, I guess I would be a lightweight in some instances, but
0: I don't suppose oof. you have any more of that old Forrester kicking around do you. I I know a guy. <laughs> I'm a I'm a huge I'm a old Forrester. Other outside now, of the Jack Daniels products, I'm I'm a fan of old Forrester across the board.
1: Is that the Is that the 1910 1920? So 20, 18, out of those, which one is which one is considered to be the I don't know, the better one, if, if there is out of those. I, I
2: think one of the more popular is the 1920. Okay. Um, and 1910 would be a close second, and then a okay. lot of people will, will do a 50-50 ratio and create a 1915. You can actually order, like, 1915 <laughs> <Your 19-15 God. laughs> labels off of, like, Etsy to relabel your bottle. <laughs> oh,
1: you're kidding. <laughs> um, because it's such a
2: popular thing within whiskey groups to do. Um, but that, I think the 1920 is the one that's a, a double-barreled, and so it just has kind of that the double
0: oaks. Uh, mm, kind of second okay. layer flavor. I, I've bought a lot. I bought a lot of those. That the the with the year statements on them, and I I like them all.
1: Well, down the road here, Dan, as we we talk more about this, because I want to keep, you know, maybe every couple of weeks we can coax you into coming down here as long as we keep buying the drinks. Um, I think we can get you in. I could be convinced. Uh, we, <laughs> you know, I want to get into a little bit more of that about, you know, how, how you make the decision to stock some of the stuff you make. Um, there's obviously has there has to be just a well, here's 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 the set. Uh, you know, amount or kinds brands that we put in a store because it's what everybody buys. But I am so interested in because you can go to various liquor stores or grocery stores or wherever around and be like, well, you know, this is not the same as over here. So why did they pick this one? Why do you choose this sort of thing? I, I think that's that's I mean, it seems like a weighty decision, isn't it? Uh, you know, to sit down and be like, well, we're going to put this in here and 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 hope that people will will, will buy it. You know, how do you know?
0: so I'm... he just calls me and says hey i got oh, this out here Oh god you
1: you you know dan that that was the biggest mistake we made <laughs> was letting him be correct in a barrel pick, right right that's, that's he not what i'm that's not what i mean he just he just texts me and
0: goes sends me a picture and goes hey i got some of this out here you want one and i'm like yeah i do
1: yeah it
0: doesn't matter what it is
1: <laughs> right
2: so i'm a i'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to this and uh, maybe it goes to the the point you made earlier with kind of organization and mm-hmm. structure of things, and and I really do. When I really started to go down this path, I I listened to probably five or six different podcasts a week sure. on on whiskey and bourbon, and and I've learned so much through those guys because a lot of them are based in in Nashville and in Kentucky, and so they're they're at the forefront of right. of what's happening. And so um, there are several times where I'll bring a brand up to one of my distributors and. They'll have to do a bit of research because it just hasn't hit their their desk yet um, with with it becoming available, and so um, that kind of is is where I source my information to to try to bring the the newest, greatest stuff into the market. Okay. Um, and you know we're we're working on on Mountain West Whiskey Fest right now, and mm-hmm. they're starting to put the list together. And um, I was going through the list from a couple of the distributors this week, and I was kinda of shocked at some of the stuff that was on the list that I'm I don't have yet. And I'm like, Really? Like it's I, it's the whole FOMO it, within it, it the whiskey world, right? Like <laughs> I'm like, how am I missing this? Like
0: <laughs> we sponsor this and I don't have this, this, and this. <laughs> it's our event and I haven't seen this list. Yeah, yeah wait, wait a minute. No, no, no. We gotta talk to
1: someone. Why haven't we seen this list? That's a good that's a good point. We're the one that's putting the whole thing on. All right. Well, yeah. Gotta get on it, Rob. <laughs> get your tickets now. There's VIP tickets still available. That's <laughs> exactly. right. Exactly. Uh well, uh God, thanks, Dan. This has been great. I can't wait to pick your brain more on some of the stuff as we move move down the road because uh it's you know, Rob and I have always said when we've done this that we never come this come at this from an area of expertise because we don't we're we're not experts. And I and I don't know I don't know if I ever want to be an expert in it because it's I mean, you obviously have have learned in your six years or five years of doing this exactly what it takes to get people the product that they want, you know, and and you still get enjoyment from it. But with that much knowledge for me, I don't know if I'd appreciate it as much as as most people would anymore. Um, I, I, I want to be able just to, you know, because you can talk about tasting notes and smells and all this. I, I don't I still don't know how to do that. I just I I drink it and I'm like, man, that's good. Or I don't particularly like yeah. it. well, know? and and that's
2: okay too. I mean, that's sure. kind of where Ryan falls in. And when we do barrel picks, it's this is good, this is not good. <laughs> I mean, that's that's kind of his barometer, and he'll be the first to to tell you that. In a, that's in good a to know. Yeah. Oh, thank God. Um,
1: <laughs> and
2: you know, for me, I I really do enjoy just sitting there and dissecting it. Yeah. And, um, like again, I don't. I don't drink bourbon with the anticipation of not remembering the night. Right. I want to have one small pour. And if it, if it's a pour that can last me half an hour, 45 minutes as I just sit there and kind of chew through it and, and taste through it and, and kind of try to break it down and make a game of it to figure out what, what the makeup of -hmm. of it is. It's that's, that's one of the big parts that I enjoy. And then uh, being able to, to talk to that in the stores with people or at whiskey fest, it's, um, you know, it's a lot of fun. It's it's about that relationship in the community that's that's, getting that's developed. Good point.
1: It. Right? Is is I don't think drinking this is is the, the best way to do it. Is with people you enjoy hanging out with. Hundred percent. You know, and, Jesus,
0: that's no wonder yeah. I drink alone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rob, that's that's sad. We're gonna <laughs> we're going we're, we're gonna get you through that,
1: buddy. Uh, all right, before I let you go, though, Dan, we did pour you. This crooked furrow. This is a from proof artist uh proof artists and distillers up in North Dakota. This is their bottled and bond. Uh will have with, with a twist. With a with a with a big twist that, that really That he I, caught right away. I don't think Rob and I have ever been totally shocked or surprised when we've when we've taken a drink. To to a point where we when we did this, we were both looked at each other like, What the hell did we just drink? and, and it took me a while to to under to understand what I was tasting, but Rob, I think you liked it. I I, I still like it, right? And uh, he he tipped us off a little bit before,
0: <clears throat> excuse right. me While he was here, mm-hmm. so we I kind of had an inkling of what to expect, even though I'm still not the professional. I I mm-hmm. kind of thought maybe this would be where it headed, and I really enjoy it. <clears throat> um, I mean, I I still like the double barrel. Is is my favorite right. product that they've got, and I've gone through several bottles of it. So if you know anybody <laughs> in North Dakota that wants to bring some down, let me know. Right. Um, but this one, this one to me was interesting in that, you know, the repurposing of the barrels and the different uses and the finishing and the, I, I, I thought it was intriguing.
1: Okay, so you've taken a sip of it. now, I have. Dan. All right. What do you think?
0: Anybody in North Dakota want to bring me a
2: bottle?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Really? I I, like it. I told Rob that I said, I don't think Dan is going to. I don't think he's going to like it. I have a couple of barrel-aged gins
2: that I really enjoy, but I've never had a bourbon aged in a gin, a barrel that was used to age gin. Right. Um, So it's kind of the best of both worlds. (laughs) Um, So... A couple years ago, my wife and I were down in Nashville. I was there for a work conference. And there's a, a liquor store down there called Barrels and Brews. Mm-hmm. Work conference. I've, I've, I've been
1: to Barrels and Brews. <laughs> yes, yeah, I have. That's been. right. I was uh, all so because of Bruner, well, I was I sitting that, in the castle along the river. That's, <laughs> that's where I found the hellerhead for the yes. first time. Anyway. Oh
0: Jesus! <laughs> Thanks a lot for that. God,
1: you are to blame
0: hey, <laughs> for of. all of his poor decisions. <laughs> you kind was, of
2: are, Dan. We we all, all right. make mistakes once in <laughs> uh, a while. But they had after all I've done for
0: you. Oh God.
2: No, I know. I'm sorry. They had a, uh, a barrel aged gin from Treaty Oak out of Texas that was a hundred and fifty one proof. Oh my! Oh boy! It's the only thing that when I've swirled around my mouth, it literally gets hotter. Like wow. the liquid heats up in your mouth. It's insane. Um, and my bottle's still almost full because it's just <laughs> it's too much. Like it makes a really interesting old fashioned, kind of a neat twist on it. Uh, but it's darker than any bourbon i've ever seen it's like coffee colored for uh, a gin for a gin wow Uh, but it's aged outside in the texas heat Mm -hmm. not for very long but um when i was down there talking to those guys they had just gone down and picked 12 more barrels of that gin from those guys and the first one then when they tipped it over because they were all aged sitting upright when they tipped it over, the wood had shrunk so much in the heat that it started running out. So they, like, tipped it back over really quick <laughs> um, and then just said, we'll take the whole pallet. Oh, man. Um, and um, just really, really unique. Um, but there's just something about gin. And, and especially, like, I don't like London Dry or, mm-hmm. like, Tangeray or some of the older style gins. Uh, but a lot of this craft gin that's coming out, uh, Bowling and Birch that Limestone makes, who makes uh, Yellowstone, mm-hmm. Limestone Branch, uh, that Bowling and Birch gin is is very different and very good. Oh. And their master distiller is actually has like a master's degree in horticulture, and he grows every one of the botanicals that they use right there on site at the distillery. We toured there um, when we picked our Ezra, and we're actually going back in April to pick a barrel of Yellowstone there. Ooh, um, and uh, it was really neat to hear how their process works and how how hands-on their master distiller is at, at selecting and growing and crafting all of the botanicals that go into that Bolland and Birch gin. Excellent. Um, so it's kind of my summer jam, if you will, a little, little too hot to drink bourbon on a 90-degree day. That's what Rob
1: said with this, this crooked furrow here is that it, this is a do, <laughs> this, <laughs> this is a summertime bourbon oh, yeah almost that's the best way yeah, i could say that on it. the video yep yeah. yep mm-hmm. well i'm oh I'm, I'm so surprised you liked it Damn, I, I, I really, really do
0: <laughs> excellent I, I i honestly agreed with you i didn't think you would Nope. but to get to the bourbon and my wife gives me hell for drinking not hell but she <laughs> she gives me a hard time for wanting to drink a dark beer in the summer or mm-hmm. a Cause you know she's a it's a it's hot it's IPAs it's gin and tonics I'm like I just drink what you like right I mean, yeah well that's you know, true I mean I I enjoy a gin and tonic but you wanna pour me a nice bottle of, or a glass of bourbon and sit on the back i can do that just as easy but yeah as if i'm sitting around
2: the fire pit in the evening it's bourbon in my glass if i'm sitting down after watching my son mow the yard it's a gym and <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: perfect
1: i, w- uh, I should have had
0: you around i uh, wish i could have figured out how to get my kids to do that
1: uh, that's perfect dan thank you so much man for sitting down Absolutely. and uh you know like i said this is a good time and i want to keep doing it so uh, we'll be picking your brain next time as well. All right. I'm,
2: I'm good for that.
1: I appreciate it, Dan. Rob, thanks for, for drinking with me again. Well, I don't know if you it, you don't let me talk. I know. Well, I try to, you just gotta, you just well, gotta, gotta jump raise in. my been, hand. I've or? been on the radio for 30 years. I, know. So, I haven't been you able know, able to
0: make you shut up you've for gotta, forever. You <laughs>
1: gotta, you gotta just jump in. Anyway, it's uh whiskey at work, uh, with Dan Bruner from Timmins markets. Uh, it's Robin Mark. Thanks so much get, for listening.
0: Get your, get your whiskey at work. Whiskey festival tickets now.
1: Am I going to have this out before then? I, I probably will. Well, I should yeah, have I this done in about a day. What well, time yeah. is it?
0: Well, whiskey festival is not till March. Well, so. it's
1: four ten. I'm I'm done for the day. i phoned it in. That's good. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so much. You're <laughs> killing me, Pete. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Whiskey at Work, hosted by Rob Henry and Mark Houston. The show is produced by Mark Houston, audio and video recordings taken care of by Russ Haddon and engineered by Chris Jacquez on the Home Slice Audio Network.